3 a.m. Again, why did I ever think this was a good idea? Welcome to the Rise and Run podcast. Join our group of Run Disney friends as we talk about running at Walt Disney World and beyond. We'll discuss recent runs, training, upcoming races, and surprise topics suggested by you, our listeners. Well, the alarm's gone off, so let's go. Greetings, greetings, everyone. Welcome back to episode 17 of the Rise and Run podcast. We are so glad you're here. We enjoy getting together and talking to you about running at Disney and maybe some other things. In fact, tonight, tonight we've got a little bit of an ultra running bent to the show with tonight's interview, but we'll get to that in a little bit. I'm Bob. I'm here as usual with my friends, Greg. Aloha. Uh, Greg's back from Maui, in case you were wondering. I'm sure that was a great trip. Uh, yeah, I'm a little a little envious, Greg, but I'm glad glad you had a good time. Glad you didn't get stuck in that snowstorm. Yes, uh, I'm back. very, very thankful for that. Yeah, not the snowstorm more than Although, Maui. getting stuck in paradise also isn't the worst. <laughs> that wouldn't either. have been too bad. Yeah. I'm referring to the snowstorm that most of the folks listening to us, at least on the East Coast of the U.S., had to put up with. I hope you're digging out. Anyway, Greg's here. Alicia's here. Hello. Hey, Alicia. Lexi is here with us. Hello, hello. And John is, too. How you doing? If you're taking attendance, Mark Jack is absent for this evening. Jack's not with us this evening. She's got other things going on, and we hope she's back next week. Well, let's see, gang. What's going on? We got uh, we got Princess coming up. Now, we haven't talked a lot about Princess, and we're not going to talk a lot about it tonight. And the reason we're not is we're going to save that for next week. Um, I was looking at I was looking at training schedules, and I see if you're getting ready for Princess, you just did a double up with a fairly long run, and you got another one coming up here. In another week, you got your 14-mile run coming up. Either if you're doing the half, it's by itself, or if you're doing the challenge. Uh, I forget what the first day of it is, and I don't have it in front of me right now. But I, I get questions sometimes, hey, it's a half marathon. Why does Jeff have 14 miles on the schedule? And I can actually answer that question, or at least I can tell you what Jeff would say because I had an opportunity to ask him one time. and. He will tell you that studies have shown him that the best way to increase your speed or increase your time in a dis in a race like a half marathon is to train out just a little bit further. So that extra, not quite a mile, that extra nine tenths of a mile will help you out. I did it the first year I ran wine and dine. 14 was on the schedule. I did the 14. And I did find it to be beneficial. It gave me a lot more confidence. So it's on the schedule. You'll have to decide individually if you're going to do it, or if you're going to stop at 13. Remember on those long runs, you can go as easy or as slow, or you can walk them if you need to. But that's what's coming up. But we'll be talking more about Princess next week. Just a couple notes I had just to kick things off. The Donna Marathon is this weekend. I was looking at our file in the uh, in the Run Disney Motivational Team site. And actually, you can get to the file from the Rise and Run podcast site now, too. The file I'm talking about is the one that shows all of the upcoming races and who's running where. And it's, it's the one with Joe's name all over it. But uh, I don't see anybody running Donna. And I'd be surprised if at least a couple of our listeners aren't doing Donna this weekend over in Jacksonville. That's a big deal. Another thing I wanted to talk about real fast and I must first say, understand that nobody sponsors this show. So when we give you our opinion, they're unsolicited by the very true, uh, literal nature of the term, unsolicited opinions. But uh, I signed up for Jeff Galloway's Fidipides Challenge. You can find it on jeffgalloway.com. It's uh, a 300 plus mile challenge. One of Jeff's passions is Pheidippides. I would think most runners recognize the name. That's the name of the legendary 
a runner slash messenger slash diplomat who ran to tell of the, the victory over the Persians in the Battle of Marathon, who from, from whence the run that we now know of the same name was born. But uh, the Pheidippides Challenge is a 300-plus mile. The thing about it is you've got, I think it's pretty much open-ended. And with this particular challenge, all of your miles count. All of it, You could count the steps you take going to the mailbox if you wanted. Now, I don't do that because the thing I like about this challenge is it gets me back out on the road. I know a lot of folks, myself included, have a hard time getting back out after whatever you did for Marathon Weekend. So this one, which requires you to log your miles individually, uh, it's very helpful to to get you back out there. Plus, it's kind of neat as you finish distances, you get to different Greek cities along the way. And Jeff's recorded a bunch of narration from uh, research he's done, along with another famous ultramarathoner, Dean Carnassus. Uh, and they've got the associated bling. So anyway, if you're looking for something to get your motor running again, take a look at Jeff's Pheidippides Challenge. Guys, what else we got going on? Hey, Lexi, how's your, uh, how's your princess training going? Oh, it's coming. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that um, sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am, you know, I've talked about this before, but, um, I, it's been hard to have the motivation really since the Berlin marathon. Uh Um, and I, um, I'm going to go ahead and talk about this now. Well, you go right ahead. We're going to whip this out. Okay. Um, so with the Berlin marathon, if you've listened to our episode in the race recaps that we've done, you guys all know that, um, I did not have an official finish for Berlin. I was stopped, they shut down the course, and I was stopped about a quarter of a mile from the actual finish line after they closed it down, Um, and it was this whole big ordeal with lots of tears, but my run keeper said that I did 27 miles, but there's some, you know, there's something to say about the mindset of actually crossing the finish line, and I think there's been, you know, mentally part of my brain that's like, well, you didn't actually do it because it's not official. And, you know, really, I've been going through that mental struggle. Whenever I'm running, there's that little voice that's like, but can you really do this? And well, so... Well, you know you can. I know. I know. It's that the struggle between the little voice in your head and the logical side of your brain. And um, that, in addition to some of the health stuff that I've been going through um, with my thyroid and trying to get all of that figured out. Um, if you've dealt with thyroid troubles at, at all, you know that it's, it's an interesting journey. I feel like I kind of hit this point this week of, uh, Lexi, you have to train because you're doing princess and you're doing springtime surprise. So there's no more skipping workouts. Like if you skip more workouts, you will get injured, period. Uh, yeah, that's, that's very true. And so um, I kind of had to have this come to Jesus meeting with myself this week of, yes, you're still a marathoner um, because I've done one full marathon, according to my run keeper, and I've done a virtual marathon because I did the virtual New York marathon. I don't have to prove myself. Nope. You know, that I am a marathoner. No, you're right. So that's just kind of been what I've been struggling with as far as my training has gone. I did... Uh, five miles over the weekend and um, a three mile run because I'm starting to kind of slowly stack up so I can get ready for the princess challenge. Because I, I have been consistently running, I'm doing a little bit different build, uh, a faster build because I know what my body can handle. Oh, okay. Life. Yeah. Yeah. You'll, yeah, you'll be okay. You'll yeah. be okay there with a, I mean, you had a half marathon under your belt just what, mm-hmm. just three, three weeks ago. Yeah. So you should be okay there. I agree. Yeah, but that's kind of been what I've been dealing with. Um, to anybody listening who's having those same kind of thoughts, if you had a did, do not finish, uh, did not finish, or if you had to pull out of a race because you knew you were injured and you wouldn't be able to do it, period, um, like Jack had to pull out of the marathon, you're not alone. Don't oh, listen no. to those voices in your heads. Yeah. Um, 
because, you know, you know the truth and you are a runner and you just sometimes have to convince your brain of that. And that's why you have amazing people around you that are saying, no, that's not truth. This is truth. Very good, Lexi. I agree completely. All right, let's change course just a little bit here. We're going to come back to talking about uh, distance runs in a bit. But we thought that while not a whole lot was going on here, we are about at the time where you can make DVC reservations for Marathon Weekend, which brought up for us the topic of where do you stay when you go to Disney World for a race weekend? So we thought we'd kick that one around. Greg, where do you stay? What are some of your favorite places or maybe your not so favorite places? Why don't you start us out? This is kind of like picking your favorite child situation. In a way, isn't it? Yeah. There are three resorts uh, that come to mind for me as my absolute favorites. Uh, the first one is actually uh, Animal Kingdom Lodge. Oh, nice. I have always wanted to be a DVC member, um, but I just have not had that opportunity to become one yet. But I have tapped into what is really growing in popularity recently is the DVC rental market where you can actually rent an owner's points and stay at the, the deluxe villas at a much discounted rate. And the first time I ever did that was for Marathon Weekend. 2019 and stayed at animal kingdom lodge and jumbo house and that was phenomenal Mm -hmm. you know you walk into that that grand lobby and you're just blown away and you know the the massive window and i mean the fact that there's a savannah in the backyard i mean you know where else in the world you know can you really say that not to mention the the food and beverage there is absolutely awesome oh yeah a couple of my favorite restaurants yeah the mara boma i haven't been able to go to Jico yet there's sanaa too yes yes two words bread service that's all Uh you need to know exactly Uh yeah i've been to all three of those yeah outstanding yeah, so Animal Kingdom Lodge is definitely on the list for me. Uh, my second um, favorite resort on property is actually the resort that I just stayed at for this past marathon weekend, and that would be Port Orleans French Quarter. Yes. I used to go there a lot. My parents, that was a, a favorite of ours growing up. And, you know, I always love the ambiance of that resort. I also like the fact that it's also the smallest um, resort on uh, property, which is really nice, you know. No, no, no room's a bad room. You know, you don't feel like you're walking 10 minutes anywhere. Oh, no, you're right. Not to mention Mickey beignets are pretty awesome. And what was really cool, you know, it's not the most, you know, adventurous slide in the world, but I have all these memories as a kid going down that serpent tongue slide in their pool. And it was really cool to have a memory of me remembering going down that as a kid and then coming back from the half marathon and seeing my daughter come down the same yeah. slide. That was a really special moment for me. I'll bet it was. Yeah. So and again, Mickey beignets can't go wrong there, um, which is awesome. And then, but I would say my favorite resort that I have stayed at. And again, I was able to do this via DVC rental points is the Polynesian. That was always like the bucket list place to stay and you, I love the ambiance, and Ohana is, you know, and the granted, Ohana's not living up to the hype of what it used to be, but, you know, I, I love the, you know, the food and beverage there. But it was one of those things where, to me, I knew it became a special resort because when we were packing up our suitcases coming home from that trip, my wife didn't want to leave, and she started to cry. Yeah. And it was in, it was in that moment right then and there that I said to myself, the moment I get to have the ability to become a DVC member, I would like that to be my home resort one day. So even though I only spent three nights there, I've had countless meals there. My daughter loved the pool and the splash pad. So Polynesian has a really special place in my heart. So yeah, those are, those are my those top are, three. Those are pretty good hotels. I've stayed at French Quarter, uh, and I agree. It's a lot of fun. We were Becky and I were only there one or two nights. Not in conjunction with a run, believe it or not. As far as runs are concerned now, do the buses pick up and drop off at French Quarter or do they pick you up and drop you off at Riverside? So uh, we had our own separate pickup 
uh, right at French Quarter. But I will say pro tip for anyone who is looking for a great resort to stay at for a race weekend, especially for the races that end at Epcot. I'm not kidding when I say from the time the bus left the, the family reunion area to the time getting back to the resort was under five minutes. Because literally the back entrance that you take out of Epcot, French Quarter, Riverside, and Old Key West are literally right across the street. So it, you know, so if it's one of those things where you have those tired legs and you just want to get back to your resort real quick, pick one of those three. I've been in Riverside for a couple of runs, and in fact, I'll be in Riverside for Spring Surprise too, but not not French Quarter. All right, who's next? Alicia, what are your favorites? Well, Epcot is my favorite park, so I really like staying yeah. at Beach Club so that we can just walk oh, yeah. right just over walk there over, for the yeah. festivals. I I love anything to do with the back of Epcot and um, the countries. Well, Growing so up, cake. it was my favorite thing to learn about different cultures, and so um, I still love doing that and trying all the foods. That's a good one, all right. Yeah. But you, but you can't walk. Now, you can't walk if you're there for a run. You, you've got to Correct. take the uh, buses, yeah. Yes. And then my favorite resort, I think, is Wilderness Lodge, just because it's got that foresty feel. And being from Minnesota, I just love that the lodge type look. Um, I've stayed at a lot of different places for many different race weekends, and I've never had a bad experience. So I don't think that there's a bad one out there. Yeah. I was going to ask, that was going to be one of my topics, uh, a a resort you wouldn't want to go back to, but I'm not sure that there is one. I'll, I'll give you my opinion in a, in a minute or two here. I did um, have a mishap this last time during marathon weekend with a miscommunication from run Disney with the monorail system. Oh, so yeah. if you're staying at a monorail resort and they're saying, use the monorails, always walk to your resort. Don't walk to the ticket and transportation center is my advice because anything can happen. <laughs> You got extra steps. I did get extra steps. (laughs) (laughs) Unplanned extra steps. Yeah. John, how about you? Yeah, I'm with Alicia. I like uh, what we call Beach Club because Epcot is the park to be at. You know, being older. Festivals, walk in there, walk to Hollywood Studios, basically fun resort. Uh, That's probably one of my favorite resorts. Good restaurants there, too. Yes, Allen Compass. I really love that place. Really good. Yeah, good. Yeah. And then, of course, the whole boardwalk area has some nice yeah. restaurants. And mm-hmm. boardwalk's like growing up for me, you know, being on the Jersey Shore. From Jersey, you know, yeah. You know, it's like, well, the boardwalk. Only thing we need is seagulls stealing your french fries. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but John, on the Jersey Shore, though, there's not a creepy clown pool. Now, now Grant, rest in peace, creepy clown pool from, from the boardwalk. But yeah, I don't think I ever saw that at the Jersey Shore. No, nah, the only thing would be that uh, what's his name Tilly from Asbury Park. Oh yes, 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 yes. yes. Yeah. you and I, you and I would would be in South Jersey, Greg. John's up in North Jersey. That's true. A little bit different, but, but I hey South Jersey. I got it. There's no shore in North Jersey. Everything's Wildwood, Seaside. Okay, that's South Jersey. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's the deal for me. Uh, this is kind of weird. I like that's old okay. Key, I like old Key West in a way because. It's like being back in the tri-state because everyone I meet there is either from New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania. And it's like, it's like, you're all like, it's like being home. I don't know if you guys ever dealt with, dealt, seen that there. Well, that's kind of like going to the pool in the recreation center where I live now at this time of year, everybody's from New York or Pennsylvania. <laughs> I was going to say, so Old Key West equals the retirement community of Disney. Snowbirds. <laughs> we call them, God bless them. And yeah. I guess because that they were like the like the big thing was uh, that area was all the New York New, New Yorkers and uh, Jersey guys getting there when it came out. And my last resort, we had great times growing with, with my kids. Was the Polynesian? Nothing beats being at Magic Kingdom. Your kids tired as heck. You just hop on the monorail, get back in, put the kid down for about a half an hour, forty five minutes, naps up, back on the monorail, back to the park. Cool. Lexi, you're up. My turn. Okay, so um, I will start this off by saying that most of the race weekends that I've been to, I have been um, as budget-friendly as I could possibly be. Sure. Um, 
because a lot of times I could afford the race weekend and then I was eating peanut butter sandwiches in my in my hotel room the rest okay. of the time because I wanted to do the race weekends. You are not alone. Um, so I I mean I've stayed at Art of Animation several times uh, for race weekends specifically. Um, the bus stop is super easy to get to, and um, I mean I like the theming. It's it's bright and colorful. No, it's cool. And fun. Yeah, sure. Um, and you can get cool metal pictures out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. Um, and I mean, it's not like all star, as in the least expensive, but it's also not quite as expensive as you know the next tier up. It's kind of that middle ground. Right. Um, right. Second favorite would have to be Caribbean Beach. Okay. Um, I have a very soft spot in my heart for it because that was the first Disney Resort I ever stayed at. At my only family trip to Disney World, and it just like it has a lot of nostalgia to me. I think it's a beautiful resort with the Very lake. Pretty. Yeah, and pretty. Um, if you like to run at Disney, you can run like not doing races. You can run around the lake, and it got a good track. Really yep. No, same thing at AOA too. Same thing at AOA. You got the uh, hourglass lake. Yeah. Yeah, we were just at Caribbean for. Uh, marathon weekend yeah i love it and they just finished a renovation re- i mean in the past like couple of years yeah plus it's a uh, skyliner hotel that's nice yes it's super handy yeah that was close to our room now the downside when we were there the bridge over the lake was out oh no which made for an awfully long well we didn't even walk it it would have made for a quite a long walk to get back to the to the main uh, lobby but they were running they were running a shuttle bus around the hotel and I, you know, I drive over, I have my car. Plus you got Sebastian's, uh, restaurant there too. That's a nice place to eat. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but my all time favorite resort. And if I had to pick any resort on Disney property, that's like, this is the aesthetic of Lexi. Um, <laughs> it would be the Riviera. <laughs> okay. Um, it's real expensive. Yeah, Only stayed yeah. there once. Okay. But. I fell in love. It's beautiful on the inside. The rooms are great. Um, the restaurants are really good. Topolino's, if you haven't mm-hmm. been to. Topolino's Terrace right now has to be the best character meal on property right now. Yeah. Still want to try dinner, but breakfast is awesome. Yeah, okay. and the outfits that they wear are just so cute with the little... Oh, I love them. I love them. Nice. Um, but yeah, I am hoping someday when I'm DVC... That I'll be able to stay at um, the Riviera more often because I just, I loved every single second of that resort. It was amazing. Greg, you reminded me of something I wanted to mention earlier that uh, ADRs, Advanced Dining Reservations, for Springtime Surprise Weekend actually have been available now for a couple of days. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're going, oh, I'm going to go make, yeah, you can still make them, but. You're not going to get Topolino's. Uh, you're not. I, I did. I got, I, actually, I think I got it for the Monday after race weekend. Even even though I was in, I mean, I was literally six o'clock on the dot Sunday morning. I was online. Uh, and that's the only one I could get. Bob, what are your favorite resorts? Favorite resorts to stay in. We, we tend to stay in the moderate resorts. I agree with Lexi. We like Caribbean Beach. Uh, we've been to Coronado. Coronado's fine. Um, back when travel agents were getting bibs, remember those days, guys? <laughs> back way back in what 2020, uh, got a good deal for I forget which run weekend it was, but uh, we got a reservation at Coronado, and we got to stay in the tower, so that was nice. I think my favorite Disney resort to stay in, and again, we stick with the moderates pretty much. I agree with Greg that French Quarter is very nice, and I like that. It's a toss-up for me, French Quarter or Riverside. I like both of them. Uh, We'll be back in Riverside for springtime surprise this year. That's a lot of fun. And then I I have the benefit of being retired Army, so Shades of Green. Shades of Green is a very fine hotel. Uh, what I typically do there is I typically, because I can make a reservation a full year out, I typically make a reservation there. And then if I can get a deal at one of the Disney moderate resorts, I cancel shades and I go to the Disney resort. It's just, it's just more fun. 
I've also stayed off the resort a couple times. Uh, last wine and dine, I couldn't get anything. I was too late for shades. And uh, I stayed at an embassy suites in Kissimmee. It was okay. It wasn't awful. Driving on wasn't as tough. I'd heard it might be tough. It wasn't that bad. And uh, you can save some money. So that's not a bad thing. We've also, I'll tell you what else we've done, which is beautiful. Bonnet Creek, the Bonnet Creek area, which technically is on Disney property. Hilton's got a hotel at Bonnet Creek. And then there are a bunch of condominiums that you can rent. Uh, and it's, it's not Airbnb. It's a VRBO. You can do a VRBO. When my brother and his wife come and the, the two adult families share a place, we rent a, uh, a condo there. Oh, that's gorgeous. That now, again, it's not Disney. You don't see Mickey in every corner, but, uh, that's gorgeous. You can save some money that way too. I'm staying at Bonnet Creek for princess. So I'll come back with a full report. Are you staying at the hotel? Yes. Um, yeah. one of the interesting things that I noticed, um, they provide transportation for the they half, do. but they yeah. don't provide transportation for the 5k or the 10k. Really? I didn't. Uh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, no, it's very nice. And they've got a central, uh, swimming area with a lazy river and yeah, you're going to you're too. going to yeah you're going to enjoy it. It's very nice. One thing I wanted to say about the Bonnet Creek area, I believe I, I've seen this on Instagram. I know um, Michael does Disney, and I want to say maybe the Castle Runner have made note of, note of this on their like Instagram stories that sometimes for race weekends, one of the Bonnet Creek resorts does some type of like runners weekend package where. You know, it can include like a spa treatment or something like that. So if that's an option for you, definitely look into that. The other thing I wanted to mention too is obviously this conversation was started by the fact that, you know, DVC members can are hitting their 11-month window soon for Marathon Week reservations. If you are not DVC, but you're one of those Uber planners that wants to try and get a room early for the weekend, you can't do it online. But if you call Disney, you can book a room up to 500 nights out ahead of time. So oh, that's nice. well within that window. So again, yeah. if you want to get just room only, call Disney and you'll be able to secure that. Not a bad idea. Not a bad idea at all. Because sometimes they get tough to get. Like after registration, they get tough to get. And if you got one in the bank, you can always cancel it if you if something better comes along. So that's not a bad idea at all. That's why, that's why I hope... Uh, Travel agents get their bibs back because that was kind of painless. You'd get your uh, TA to book your room and you get your bib and then registration came along and you didn't have to sweat anything. But eh, we'll see. We'll see if that happens. Okay. So there's a variety of places. We've, uh, we've covered most of the, the moderates, uh, a couple of the, uh, the luxuries. Oh, pop. I've stayed at pop century and it's just like staying at, uh, art of animation, like Lexi talked about, uh, it's, it's fine. And again, you want to save a couple bucks. I've never stayed there for a run. I'm pretty sure they only have one bus pickup spot for, uh, for pop century. So you may have to walk a bit to get that. That's correct, Bob. Yeah. I I stayed at pop for one and dine. 2016. Yeah. And it was one bus stop right in the, the front of the resort. Yeah. I know Caribbean beach, the bus went, all the way around and picked up folks. And, uh, I'm sure it's that way too at Riverside, uh, French quarter is so small. There's only one place period Coronado. I've been to Coronado for a run and I can't remember that, that they, they run around on that one too. I'm almost positive. So, so yeah, Hey, wherever you go, you're going to have a good time. That's just our thoughts on that. All right. Moving right along. Time for the race report. Let's take a look here at what we got going on. Our buddy Michelle braved the 25-degree weather at Hilton Head, South Carolina this last weekend for the Hilton Head Half Marathon. The whole East Coast all up and down. Not enough to tell you. I'm sure a bunch of you live here. Uh, Got some pretty cold weather. So she was out there. At least the sun was shining. At least in her photos, the sun was shining. But uh, she completed that one, and that's the only one 
I've got on our list, like I said, the Donna's this weekend. I suspect somebody's running that. But if you are, how about dropping us a note on the Facebook page, Rise and Run podcast Facebook page, and let us know you're doing the Donna. And we'll mention it next week when we do the race report. I am running the Atlanta Hot Chocolate 5K this weekend. Yeah, you didn't, and it doesn't count. You didn't put your name on the list. Oh, doesn't man. <laughs> hey, it hey. counts. I'll have a medal. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good event. That hot chocolate goes throughout the country. I did the one in Tampa a couple of years ago. Lexi, do, do they still give the chocolate fondue uh, at, at the end? Yeah, I did it in Philly. It was a 15K a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And I remember it was just so bitter cold that, like, literally, you had about five minutes to eat the chocolate and then it just started to freeze on you. Yeah, they have the chocolate fondue with a couple of little, like, munchies and hot chocolate. Didn't uh, didn't have that problem at Tampa, Greg. And she's not, <laughs> Lexi won't have that problem in Atlanta this weekend no, either. Not at all. No, uh, I think we, I, it's probably going to be around like 45 or 50. At race start. But then it'll yeah. warm up. Yeah. Um, one thing they they changed the container. They don't give you a mug anymore. They give you some biodegradable thing. Yes. So they're going green. So it's changed a little bit there. Good swag at the um, hot chocolate runs. I got a nice sweatshirt. Lexi was saying they got a, a down jacket or something. Yeah, it's one of those puffer jackets. Yeah. So you can use that in certain parts of the country. Even this nice sweatshirt I got, I wear maybe twice a year. But it is, it's nice. We got a special interview this week. We, we kind of prefaced this thing where we're going to talk a little bit about ultra marathons. Uh, our buddy Chad, who is part of Jeff Galloway's customized training program, did something I think is quite remarkable. And I'm going to stop talking about it and let Chad tell you what he did. Hey, Chad. Good to see you. Thanks for joining us. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, we're looking forward to it. Instead of stealing your thunder, uh, well, first of all, I'll introduce Chad just a little bit. Chad is a friend of ours through the Jeff Galloway Customized Training Program. We haven't met in person. It was interesting, Chad, when we were when I was at uh, the JG 13.1 with a bunch of our other customized friends, the big question was, who's bigger, Chad or Bob? And, uh, and I'm, I'm not sure <laughs> I really, it's not a contest, but I'm just not sure. Um, but listen, Chad did something I find absolutely remarkable and I'm going to let him tell you what that was. Thanks. I appreciate that. Um, so the, what I was able to accomplish is something I've it been in my head for a couple of years now and over 10 days at an event called across the years out in uh, just outside of Phoenix, Arizona, I was able to complete 401 miles in in 10 days. So just over averaging 40 miles a day. Um, And it was, like I said, it's been in my head ever since I ran my first hundred. Um, And it probably even goes back before then, just thinking about wanting to figure out how far I could push my body. And it all started with running in 2010. You know, I would say that's where it started for me. Um, you know, you could probably go back further than that, being able to finish workouts, stuff like that. But running started in 2010 and, you know, I did it, did something silly. I did what people called a couch to marathon program because I signed, <laughs> I paid for my first 5k. And, uh, next thing you know, I did a 10k, a half marathon and a marathon all within like the first year and completely didn't know what I was doing. Um, well, you were finishing though. It was, it was an adventure and it was great. I will, I mean, across the years is an organization, it's part, it's an event. Let me first say that. Aravipa is the organization that puts it on and it's a great organization if you're looking to do races and they, they are phenomenal. And let's, let's put this in perspective, folks. Okay. 400 miles in 10 days. The dopey is 48.6. That's basically a dopey a day or 80% of a dopey a day. Unbelievable. Before we talk about the event itself, I'm curious what kind of training you did for this thing. So my training, um, so I've been, I wanted to do the event two years ago and it unfortunately was canceled with, with everything else. So I signed up for a 47 hour rent event and just went out to see what I could do. And I learned just, a just lot. Just cold? Just 
wonder what I can do. Just what the heck? Yeah. Yeah. It, <laughs> I mean, it was one of those events where you, it was, I wanted to learn from it. Um, yeah. how, I mean, if you're going to run for 10 days, you got to run for two first, yeah, um, but it was, it was completely different. Um, so I, um, I signed up for that event because they were still having it in West Virginia, but my training really, it, it's not as crazy as it sounds. Um, you build up and with, with coach Chris Twiggs through the customized training program, he gets you build up to do, do multi-day runs. So you start out by doing, you know, maybe a, you know, a 20 and then a, a 10, 10, and then you just build up. So it, my longest run prior to the event was three twenties. And, you know, so Friday I did a 20 miler, Saturday, a 20 miler, Sunday, okay. a 20 miler. Okay. Um, the other thing we do is we do th- multiple runs on a day. And yeah, so that built up to be three 10 mile runs. So you do 10 miles, you take two to four hours off, you do another 10 miles, two to four hours off another 10 miles. And that those runs for me, as long as you keep the pacing good on the first couple of runs, weren't that hard. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're on your legs for what, 12, 15 hours, however long it takes you. That's the best part is you're on your legs for that training period. Wow. Sounds tough to me. This event is in Arizona, correct? Yep. Yeah. It's in, I call it Phoenix. Very well could be Glenshaw. So it's a, I mean, they're right next to each other, but depending on where you're at. Um, So it's held at Camelback Ranch, which is the baseball spring training facility for the Chicago White Sox and the LA Dodgers. And the loop is a kind of a mixture of hard, compact sand, gravel, and then asphalt. And it's 1.0477 miles per lap. If you run the perfect tangents, which I think probably two people on the course could do. Um, And you go in one direction for six hours and then you have this big turning party and it is a party. <laughs> they make it a party. And even at, you know, 3 p.m. and 3 a.m., it's a party. It's a little less of a loud of a party at 3 a.m., but they make it fun to turn around. And it's great because that's where you get to see other people's faces. I mean, you, you're all running in the same direction and people are passing you, but you don't really get to see their face, their, their bib names, if they put their names on the front. Um so you get to see some people's faces and usually that's where you see a lot of high fives and just excitement um, because you're, you're finally seeing each other. That's cool. Um, and then they do that. So you don't get dizzy, right? Yeah. And I'm sure it's, it's, you're sure it's muscle, muscle memory. Right. But yeah, I reckon. Um, Cause you're always turning one direction at that point. Um, yeah. The, I imagine there's not a pitch to the trail. Is there, I mean, you, not really not, like running on a road. It, there's some erosion in parts, but yeah, there's not a pitch. Uh, not like you would on a, you know, a city street, I would yeah, say, right? Because you have to have that yeah. type of thing. Yeah, because I could see that being a problem. So when you're on the course, every mile, you know, the first thing they tell you to do is don't turn around. The thing you wanted is only a mile away. So you're going to pass the med tent, the aid station, um, the start finish line every mile. And depending on where you set up, you're, you know, if you rented a tent or if you're staying in an RV or trailer, you, you'll pass that again every mile. So the, when I say aid station, I mean, think of a full-fledged mash kitchen unit running. We have ovens, we have, they have full burners, just massive. And so I have a gluten intolerance. So I need, I try to eat gluten free. There are small things that I will eat um, that I know I can handle. Um, there are other runners that are 100% gluten free with celiacs, uh, vegan, vegetarian. Um, so you think about this kitchen is not putting out just normal things you see on a, on a distance runner like potatoes, chips. M&Ms, things of that nature. Don't get me wrong. They're out there, but they're preparing full meals 
and wow. then preparing it based on all of the different nutritional desires that these people have. They are, this kitchen staff is phenomenal. And awesome. it got to the point towards the end when there was probably about 25, 30 of us running. It, they became made to order. Like, what do you want? Oh, wow. What wow, do you, and by great. the way, when they say, what do you want? Come back and get it on your next lap. Don't wait. They mm -hmm. will make it for you. So like one lady really wanted grilled cheese with tomato. They okay. made it for, it was like three o'clock in the morning. They were making that the same time they were make, starting to make pancakes for all the other runners. You know, it was just, and I mean, the food was phenomenal. Like one night they, they brought in pizza and I get, they didn't make that, but like they felt bad because they burnt my pizza a little bit. Mind you, I ate it. I'm okay with it. I survived, but they're like, no, no, we'll make you a whole other piece. I'm like, look, this one little piece is burnt. It's okay. I'll, yeah. eat, I'll eat this. It's fine. That's um, a dedicated crew there, man. Yeah. The one night, I think it was Thursday night, is they made from scratch whole Lebanese dinner. And I'm not going to try to tell you everything we had, but it was phenomenal. I went back for a second plate and I, I mean, I was just like, okay, I'm ready for bed now. It was phenomenal <laughs> and it was great. Oh, that's good to hear. Um, I should note that your 10-day running event was not the only event going on down there at the time. They have multiple events going on. And Correct. You, you know, you can look them up on the website. So one of the nice things about it across the years is they have a lifetime achievement. So your uh -huh. bib number never changes. Oh, okay. okay. After your first event, you, you, your bib always stays the same, and every mile you do counts. So. Oh. I think they're up to like 39. I don't know if they crossed 4,000 yet, 4,000 runners that have individually, you know, unique runners that have ran the event, right? So this year, there's guys out there that run, you know, bib. I saw 365, you know, so those type of numbers. And I'm like 3,600, somewhere mm -hmm. in there. Mm -hmm. So I want to, and you, they have lifetime achievement jackets. So after you cross 1,000 miles, you start getting into it, you get a jacket. So okay. I'm kind of compelled. Um, the, the guy in the leader, the top of the leaderboard, John, he I was talking to him this year and he did his lifetime goal is to get over 10,000 miles there. That's his lifetime goal. And I, he's already over five and he's just, he's a machine. That guy, I, I have to go off me for a second, but John, he did something that was just insane. He did a minimum of a mile an hour, every hour. For 10 days. Yeah. Oh my. Wow. Yeah. So wow. think about, yeah. Let that sink in for a second. He yeah, wasn't sleeping very much. Yeah. Wow. My goodness. Um, so yeah, it was, I, I love the event. So there is a last man standing event during the course of the 10 days, but no, this was not a last man standing, you know, 10 day event for me. So in terms of the race, there's no, there are different races within the race. You said there's a last man standing and then yours. So you could technically, you just have 10 days to run as many miles as you could. Absolutely. That's so cool. Yeah. So I ever just think about it this way, Jack, everything you do counts against you, right? So if you want to go shower, you have to make the decision that you're going to be off course to go shower to, you know, to do whatever you want to do. Um, if you stop and eat, if you wanted to sit down and eat, then that, you know, again, that time counts against you. So it really, you think about how you best manage your time. And I got really good at eating while moving forward. Um, you know, and you think about marathons, you, you pinch the cup so you don't spill the water. Just imagine that we're trying to spoon some oatmeal or drink some hot coffee. It's, you know, it's not water splashing on your hand. That's gonna be hot coffee coming out of that cup if you spill. So. <laughs> what about um, sleeping? Do they have like cots and everything for you guys or a little sleeping area? So you have, you have your own options. You can sleep in a tent, um, but it's Arizona in the desert. And the, there's been known to have ice on tents in the morning. Um, 30 degrees is really cold when you try to sleep in a sleeping bag. So I personally, with my, I went out there when I did my first hundred and I slept in the tent and I froze. I'm not going to lie. I was in four layers of clothes trying to stay warm. So I budgeted for myself to sleep in a trailer. 
um, an RV type of, you know, fifth wheel, I guess would be the best way to describe it. I want, I'm six foot four, six foot five. I wanted a big bed. I didn't want my feet hanging too far out. I wanted to be able to be comfortable when I tried to sleep. So I rented the trailer I wanted. I was able to connect with a couple of people that I've met in other, other events. And we actually ended up being three of us pretty much shared this, this fifth wheel and it worked out great. Um, so I would go back there for my breaks and I can get into that a little bit about my, the strategy of the, the 10 day. So I mentioned part of the training were these three day, three runs in a day. And when I talked with, with coach Chris, we, we, my initial goal was 500 K and that's the number that just popped in my head. Cause my boss a couple years ago made fun of me. He's like, you ready for that next 5k? And he's like, that's oh, probably a 500 K for you. Cause I just got done with like a 50 K or a 50 miler. And I did the math and I'm like, you know what? I think a 500 K is doable. And over 10 days, the, the math gets a little bit easier. So I worked a plan with uh, coach Chris. Actually, he came up with a plan so that I would do about 30 laps a day. So I would, I started out doing three 10 mile runs and after every 10 miles or 10 laps, I apologize. I want to make sure I focus on laps. So after every 10 laps, I would take a two hour break. Now I knew I was staying in, in the, in the fifth wheel. So I would have about a half mile back to my trailer where I would, I would stop and then take my break. And then I'd have about a half mile back to the start finish line where I'd start my next round of 10 laps. But while thinking about that, I actually picked up a lap. So then I, so every day, every time I'd stop, I'd pick up a lap. And then as the days went on, so day one, two, I did three by 10 day four, no, three and four, I did four by eight. So four rounds of eight miles. And then I went to five by six, uh, six by five. And I think I ended at eight times by four was the plan. So immediately when I started putting this on paper, I, I started counting these break laps because it was like those towards the end, I was going to have eight extra laps. And because again, the course is slightly over a mile, every 20 laps, you get a kind of a bonus mile because that's how the math works. So I did the math and I realized that if I picked up like seven or eight extra laps a day, then I'd get to 400 miles. I'd pick up the extra 89 miles to get to 400 from 500 K and that just happened naturally. So I kind of, I knew going in that if everything went right, I'd get to 400. Um, you know, I feel good getting to 400. Everything didn't go right, but that's part of racing. And, um, and you know, just long distance running. You're, you don't know what your body's going to do until you do it, you know, and at six, four, six, five, I went in at 290 pounds that uh, a lot of, a lot of things can go wrong, can go sideways quick, but I was, I was very, very happy um, on how I was able to execute it with the brakes. Um, I had no blistering of the feet or toes because I was to take my shoes off during those brakes, clean out my, you know, clean the socks off, get dust out. Um, the one thing I had, best way we're describing it is an overuse of the muscle in my right shin. Um, I don't even know the, the technical name of it, but as you bring your toes up, you'll feel your shin muscle engage a little bit. Um, so I unfortunately had to stop running, um, again, using Galloway run walk method. I had to stop using that. I think it was day six. Um, I just, maybe day seven, I just, I couldn't put any more, enough pressure with running, uh, but I was able to walk. And so I, I tried to walk fast. You know, there's this great guy named Bob who, who at one point said he tried to do a walk, walk, walk method. So I tried to do that. Um, and it kind of worked, right? I mean, you, you walk and you try to pick your pace up for a little bit and you walk a little easier. Um, and that worked for a little bit. Then I was, I think it was day eight. I ended up running or walking with a, a guy out there I've met before. 
And he's like, it's not about the pace you can go now. It's about the pace you can sustain. So he, he's like, just slow down. He's like, you have all the time in the world. Just don't try to push 17 or 18 minute paces now. He's like, what if you go 19 or 20? Yeah, they'd be on your feet a little bit longer. He's like, but just slow down, see how it goes. And it actually worked. Um, instead of being able to do three miles and pretty much hobbling back to my, my, my trailer for a little bit, I started being able to do four and five miles and it, it was great. You know, I still needed breaks, but it was, it became more manageable. Um, so that was, again, the race plan with the breaks really helped. Um, there's definitely some things I want to work on, you know, now, now I'm going to six days and kind of maybe coming up with a goal for that time management, um, just off the course would be a little bit more of a factor next year than it was this year. Well, I'm sure you learn things as you go along. Yeah. So I'm just very curious about your uh, fueling and like food strategy. Cause I know with ultras food is almost just as important as the running itself. <laughs> and I know I tend to have like a sensitive stomach with running. So I can only eat so much food, like certain kinds of foods while I'm out doing uh, either training runs or when I'm doing an ultra, what's your kind of strategy in terms of that kind of stuff? So even though it was a one mile loop, um, I train with the camel pack. About 70 ounces of camel pack is what I carry for a normal 20 mile run. And I supplement with water. In my pack, I make a mixture of tailwind. Um, tailwind. And I, I tried the one the other crazy thing I did this year is I went caffeine free before the race. Um, I've done that before all my other ultras. Um, then I realized I didn't really need to do that because I try, I kept the same sleep schedule. I slept from at night, if you will. I didn't really run overnight too much. Um, but so I stayed caffeine free. And so I just used their naked flavor. Um, you can use, they have multiple different flavors and varieties, but, um, I'd probably put about six to 800 calories in, in 60 ounces. Um, and I'd carry that. Yes, I'm carrying extra weight, but it's what I've trained with. And I was also able to have my cell phone in my front pocket, my Galloway run walk beeper attached. I didn't have things below the waist. It was all sitting on my chest, which I've trained, again, trained with. Um, so I supplemented the tailwind with just straight water. I made sure I was drinking a lot of water because there's a lot of sodium in tailwind. And then I also took... Um, I know I just said a lot of sodium, but I also take salt tablets. Um, I'm a salty sweater. And one of the things out in Arizona is you're not, you don't see the sweat a lot because of the humidity or, or should say lack thereof. But so you're actually almost constantly washing your arms and your face to make sure your pores are staying open. There's another hammer product I use. It is an anti-fatigue cap. So really that's supposed to help flush all the lactic acid out of your legs during the, during your runnings. Um, I use those pretty, those regularly. And, but food wise, my, I kind of got on this habit. My standard day would start with oatmeal, just whatever oat, brown sugar oatmeal they had, um, do a couple, do a couple laps. Then they typically have pancakes ready. Um, I'd grab a couple pancakes. Blueberries were phenomenal. I don't know where they came from, but the blueberries would just burst in your mouth. Um, then they would have, uh, they'd use, they use a lot of eggs with like little hash browns in them. So an egg dish, quiche, uh, bacon, um, lunch sometimes was whatever, uh, snack, you know, like a, a chicken salad sandwich. They've made, um, there's a, and then they'd have dinner, um, pasta. Again, any meal you would normally eat at home. You think about, they would, like I said earlier on, the Lebanese food was phenomenal. Um, but they brought in pizza, hamburgers, grilled hamburgers. Um, if you're a hot dog fan, they had hot dogs. I'm not. So I ate, a, you know, those nights I ate some turkey sandwiches. Um, but you think about, I mean, they, it was a full bar. So yeah, you take a couple of minutes to make your sandwich, but it was great. There was no wanting of food. Like I said, they that sounds like the best aid station ever. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, you, and there's things that I didn't even try. They had ramen soup, a cup of noodles, you know, things like that. Um, there's always hot water, always coffee. If you wanted to mix things, hot people were using a lot of hot chocolate. Um, 
And then, like I said, along the bar, they were always offering watermelons, smoothies, um, just other any other ultra food you can think of. You know, if you're a nine year old with your parents' credit card going on a 15 hour car ride, right? You're going <laughs> to pick up anything you could think of and out of that store. Nice. So, how did you deal with the weather changes? Because I know out there it could be 30 degrees in the morning, 100 degrees at night. Thankfully, we did have the high fluctuation, John. We we did have rain the first day, which made everything a muddy mess um, because that hard, compact dirt just became a slippery, sloppery mess. Um, but thankfully, that was just the first day. So you plan ahead to take multiple pairs of shoes, clothes. So by the time you come around to wear those shoes again, hopefully they've dried out. Um, our extreme high... I would say was probably mid sixties with full sun. Um, now again, I'm from the Pittsburgh area. I'm already acclimated to 20, 30 degrees at, you know, come December when the event started December 27th. And that's when I would go take a nap. Um, I tried to put, I pushed through the first couple of days cause I stuck to my plan, but towards the end when I knew I wasn't going super fast and, you know, not getting that many laps in, it didn't make sense for me to be out in the sun. Um, I, you know, I uses all the sunscreen I had and I would still wear sometimes a long sleeve shirt to help combat that. Um, but thankfully on the other extreme, on the cold extreme, um, I just wore, again, I had a t-shirt on my camel pack, long sleeve tech shirt over, um, pair of gloves and a, and a hat. And what was nice is I was perfect in that. Um, I'd actually get to the point where I'd pull up the, the long sleeve and just tuck it under my arms a little bit because I wanted it for my arms, but I didn't want all the core heat on. Um, and you saw a lot of people doing different things that were from other countries, things of that nature, trying to stay warm, do different things. Um, but I think you, you end up settling into what was for you, what worked for you. So in January, Arizona, yeah, I mean, it could be, what could be worse but we were thankful that, you know, sunny in 65 doesn't sound too bad until you're trying to run in it. And it's just, it's just cooking you. Yeah, it sounds good to me. It sounds smart, though, when you realized right off that that wasn't going to work for you. Go ahead and avoid those times. So another follow up. So you ran your day. What did you do afterwards? Did you like stretch? Uh, did, you, did you bring all the little tools with you to kind of loosen up or because 10 days of this is kind of a lot. <laughs> so when I would get, you know, done with my work day, if, if you will, um, or if I reached that point where I just needed to sleep, right? So again, I have 24 hours to get the miles in and I tried to sleep at night. So nine to 3 a.m. is when I tried to sleep. That was just, I wanted, I tried to do that because that's what my body was telling me to do. And this is where the time management, John, it's a great question comes in. So here's some things I think I can do differently. Um, I carried my phone cause that's kind of my radio and if I wanted that, but I ultimately didn't use that a lot. So I did get back to the trailer, turn the generator on and I'd start trying to charge my devices then while I'm getting undressed, cleaned up, um, and putting on whatever I'm sleeping in that night, um, and laying, making sure I've laid out for tomorrow, what, what I want to wear and, and things like that, that process took up too much time in my mind. Um, so, um, you mentioned, you know, I didn't really stretch. Uh, I'm not a big stretcher. I'll be honest. If I do anything, I have a, a stick, which is a running, you know, running tool. And I would use that. I started using that on my shins. Um, again, thankfully I wasn't cramping. Everything felt good. Um, it was more about that. What can I do to take care of myself? You know, baby wipe down, things like that. And, getting ready for the next day, which, and then I'd call my family, say hi, um, you know, talk to them a little bit as best I could try to connect with them. But I think that process took too long. So if you think about trying to go longer and if your body allows it, you know, my goal was to sleep six hours a night and I was probably off course eight to eight and a half hours on average. And I only slept for five and a half hours. So 
that's three hours that I wasn't rec- sleeping. I was, again, I was gaining benefit by taking care of myself, but I just feel like there's, there's room there to, to do better in there in the future. We got you. Chad, one of the, I don't, we didn't cover this. I don't think this event is called across the years because you start in one year and you finish in the next start late December, finish early January. What did they do New Year's Eve? Well, that's another thing that I'd like to, to enjoy, right? I had a plan. I stuck to my plan. So sleeping between nine and three meant I was sleeping during their New Year's Eve festivity. Um, but they do have a, you know, kind of a small party at the, the start finish line. And I came through on the first, you know, about 3 a.m. when I started going and there were some bottles out, um, you know. So you're allowed to do what you want to do. You're an adult. If you want to drink, you can. Um, they had some non-alcoholic beverages that they were offering. Um, but yeah, it, it looked like it was a fun time. I saw some pictures. So again, going back, that's probably something I would want to do. Um, knowing it's only six days, who knows? Because, you know, I'll have to come back for, for a, a third year or a fourth year, I should say, um, to get to my thousand miles. But, you know, maybe I'll do it in that fourth year. To slightly change the subject, what are you training for now or what do you plan on training for? So I don't do a lot of races. Um, I've, I'm self-motivated. I don't really have that, oh gosh, I have to have a race on my calendar to, to motivate me to do something. So right now, um, my, my shin is still bothering me a little bit. Um, I'm trying to get that figured out. I'm probably, you know, at this point, 20 days post-event, um, probably need to see a medical person. You know, it's just not getting better on its own by my, by my standards. Um, right leg doesn't feel like the left, so that's my, my biggest concern. I have signed up for, um, it's an event called Eagle Up in Canal Fulton, Ohio. It's a 24-hour event. Um, last year, I did 50 miles and 50K. So I did both in the one event. So 81 in change, I think is the number. Um, it's in June in Ohio. So it's hot and humid. Oh, yeah. Um, so that's not always a guarantee you get that far. But I, it's a great event. Um, that's actually where I met some of the people that I, I shared my trailer with out at Across the Years. So um, I, you know, I definitely want to go back, support that local economy. And the, the race directors... Um, they're great. The people that support it are great. So that's next. Sometimes, you know, uh, my wife got into running a little bit. She did her first half marathon last year. So if she wants to get back into it, I'll train, help her train and run with her. And that's a nice break. I'll be honest. You know, when your training cycles keep going up to 60 miles on a weekend, you, it's nice to go back to a half marathon and just like, okay, this isn't, and it's not about me, you know, it's about her and her experience. And, it's fun because I can do whatever she wants. I totally get you. So I'm wondering for those people out there that have thought about doing an ultra, but aren't really sure where to start. I know you said you kind of jumped right in and did a couch to marathon program, but um, do you have any advice for those people? Yeah. Um, find an event, right? Enjoy your marathon. If you enjoy the marathon, that will help. Um, if you enjoy being out there with the people and go, you know what, I can be out here for another hour, hour and a half, and I can enjoy the time on the course or with the people. Um, that's perfect. And then find a 50 K, right. That's kind of that next step up that has whatever you enjoy. If you enjoy running on trails, Find a 50K and a, through a, a great trail, right? Your scenery is always changing. If you enjoy roads, you're probably going to end up doing a loop course because um, a point-to-point 50K is kind of kind of not that common in certain areas, but people can usually find a five-mile loop course and you run it six times. Um, you know, it's just, but you want to make sure you have the right time and you have the right mindset going in that, hey, this is going to take a little bit longer than a marathon and I'm okay with that. And if, you know, if you're a person that likes to support causes, find the right cause that's for you. you like go. if you can help donate or do something, or if it's the part of the proceeds from the race are going to something, a cause that you care about, 
that's going to motivate you too, just to kind of go that extra little bit. Great advice, Chad. Thanks. Well, listen, gang, it's been great uh, having Chad to talk with. Once again, let's let's not let's not leave without letting that go. Four hundred point some how many miles in ten days, and it boggles my mind, Chad. You're you're actually and one thing we've left out. You and I can know this. There's a reason distance runners are small, and you're not small. It makes it that much harder. That and to me, that much more impressive. So. Uh, Chad, thanks for being with us, and I look forward to seeing you on Tuesday morning on our Zoom call. And one of these days, maybe, maybe bird in hand, maybe, I'll see you in the flesh. Thank you, Chad. Thank you all. I appreciate it. What a phenomenal interview. Chad is one special guy. I actually had the chance to meet Chad at yeah. Bird in Hand last year, and that's what I love about our running community is that, you know, when you watch running events on TV, you know, you have these rail thin runners, you know, who do incredible things. Chad, you know, Chad is like me, you know, he's, you know, on, you know, a bigger guy, six foot five, you know, but the fact that of that body frame, and to do that accomplishment is an amazing thing. And I'm so glad that he is such a great ambassador, you know, in terms of our mm-hmm. little running community, the Galloway community and everything like that. So, Chad, congratulations. Great job. And thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, I, I echo that. I haven't had a chance to meet Chad face to face yet, although I see him every week on Zoom. Uh, yeah, I mean, Chad's bigger than I am. I'm big enough. I can tell you that. It takes quite a pounding, and just uh, I'm impressed that he was actually able to keep his mental facilities and didn't go nuts during those ten days. That's that's really impressive. So yeah, Chad, thanks for doing that for us. We appreciate it. We look forward to. I look forward to seeing you. Hey, Chad, I signed up for uh, Burden Hand, so I'll see you up there in September. I hope. How about that? Ah, uh, let's see. We got a new five star review in uh, the Apple Podcast page. We always appreciate that. If you take the time, it helps us out a lot. Some guy, Jay Graham, I don't know who that is, but yeah, I know who it is. <laughs> That's Joe. It's not, it's not like not, we talk about him every every week in, in some instance. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, t- I talked to him offline not long ago. He said, geez, I should have been listening to your podcast be- before. I didn't know you talked about me every week. I said, well, that's because you run every week, Joe. Although he's not running this week. At least I don't think he is. His name's not on the list. He's like Lexi. It doesn't count. His name's not on the list. It still counts. <laughs> All right. We'll cut you a break. Ah, but speaking of cut you a break, I think it's time to cut out of here. I think we've been long enough. Uh, as always, we've enjoyed it. And we look forward to talking to you next week. Until then, guys, happy running. The Rise and Run podcast discusses general information about Run Disney and is in no way affiliated with Run Disney or the Walt Disney Company. Any information or advice discussed on this podcast should not be considered medical advice and should always consult with your healthcare provider or event organizer.